0: Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lisenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. Happy Imbolc. Happy Bridget's Day.
1: Yes, happy Bridget's Day, Kristen. How
0: are you celebrating?
1: Mm, Okay, well, to be honest, uh, Imbolc this year falls on the Lunar New Year. And for reasons that would be too ridiculous for me to explain, (laughs) Cody and I always watch Detroit Rock City on the Lunar New Year on the Lunar New Year. (laughs) However, I, you know, I also plan to build an altar to Bridget, write a little poem, and I've been doing some really serious energetic cleaning of our home over the last couple of weeks. And so I will probably continue those things as I set my eyes on spring, um, taking stock, so to speak. But what are you doing
0: Well, first off, I'm having right now a little bit of a middle school flashback because you are talking about Detroit Rock City, the 90s movie with the band Kiss, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Okay, I haven't seen that movie in probably 15 years, um, but I love working with nostalgia in my practice. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, off air, we need to discuss this um, more in detail. Yeah, definitely. in regards to involk here, um weather permitting, I like to take my goats for a walk on Sabbath days, mm. especially at Involk because there's a lot of wild greenery and flowers starting to pop up. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just been so rainy and windy, and I know they would appreciate an afternoon spent eating and exploring wouldn't we all? Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's also an excuse for me to visit the old well in the woods here, maybe leave an offering for the water spirits and Bridget and just get
1: some nature therapy. Sounds wonderful and also reminds me that I need to get upstate soon. Definitely. <laughs> I also, you know, just reread the in-bulk Sabbath book, Llewellyn that Tamed Wild carries in the shop. So it's a little bit of a refresh before I head to the in retreat this weekend. And you know, I highly recommend these books, the whole series, for anyone looking for a really, you know, clear, concise, and manageable dive into the Sabbaths. I
0: really like those books too. And I know there are so many great Sabbath books out there, but like you said, these ones are just so clear and concise and a really quick read, too. Definitely. So what have we got today? Today we're talking plant magic and animal lore for Imbolc. Mm. But before we get going, if anyone wants to hear more about the history of Imbolc, seed spells, the coming of Bride slash Brigid, even some Lupercalia lore, have a listen to episode 12 from season one. And Kate also has a piece on the Magic and Alchemy blog right now about in bulk rituals and gatherings. So be sure to check that out too.
1: Definitely. And, you know, as always, even though we will be discussing plants, some edible, some not, this is not a one on one consultation. Be smart and aware like we know you are plants are magical but always work with a practitioner who knows your personal medical history before ingesting anything
0: and now some myth magic and plant and animal wisdom for in bulk. bulk is a sleepy sabbath it's a fluttering, a warning, a little nudge reminding us that beneath Mother Nature's chilly exterior, something is stirring. And that something is spring. It's frigid. It's the eternal turning of the wheel of the year. Because the universe is always speaking to us, I received a book in the mail courtesy of my dear co-host, thanks Kate. Yeah. called The Witch's Feast, a kitchen grimoire by Melissa Madara. And, you know, when a book that I've been secretly eyeing for a while that deals with kitchen witchery and seasonal eating arrives the same day I'm sitting down to write an episode on in-bulk plant magic, I take that as a sign that
1: maybe I should share a bit today. Mm, I'm just so glad that it arrived and seems like right on time. Um, you know, I have my own copy, so we're going to have to make those ritual bread masks together. Um, maybe, oh, maybe Gorgon shape. I was, I was thinking <laughs> the same thing right when you said that. Perfect. There's a passage from the book
0: that talks about why getting to know and working with seasonal plants is so special. Mm. When talking about a plant's relationship to the wheel of the year and equinoxes and solstices, it says, "quote." There is great beauty and magical potency to be found in these crucial cycles. Also, deep wisdom. The living Earth is an intelligent being and provides what is necessary when we need it most. In spring, the return of fresh produce and herbs supplies much-needed vitamins, enzymes, and fiber after a season of salt, fat, and starch. In summer, fresh fruits and vegetables are cooling and hydrating to the body, helping us to withstand the scorching heat and providing energy for summer's kinetic pace. At the return of fall, richer foods appear, fatty nuts, starchy vegetables, meats and cheeses, all of which prepare the body for the slow pace and frigid temperatures of the coming season. Here, we also see living ferments return to our diets, pickles, kraut, vinegars, and wines, which provide crucial enzymes and probiotics during a season with little fresh food available. Even in the deep winter, the earth continues to provide, giving us nutrient-dense vegetables and goods that store easily at low temperatures, like beetroots, pumpkins, and carrots, ensuring that fall's harvests will sustain us all winter long. Consuming these foods when they are in season will not only ensure that they are at their most delicious and nutrient-dense, but is also proven to strengthen the immune system and help our bodies navigate the flux of seasons. While seasonal eating has become a trend in recent years, this wisdom is ancient, deriving from our ancestors' deep interrelationship with the land that gives them life."
1: That's
0: beautiful. I really love these words because it reminds me how different life was for our ancestors. For the most part, it is so easy to get whatever we want in the modern world. Mm -hmm. We can buy an array of fruits and vegetables year-round, eggs,
1: nearly any type of rose, flower, plant, even when they're out of season. The Imbolc Sabbath book speaks to this, too. You know, like the ancients had such a different relationship with winter than we do, you know, as I sit right now next to my radiator in my heated apartment. But, you know, I definitely don't have to use my back patio as a refrigerator or salt any meat in an attempt to keep it fresh. But, you know, fellow city witches, the vermin attempting to eat your stores is still very much present day. So true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And that's not to say there's anything wrong with having, you know, everything available to us right now. Um, I am a believer in the path of least resistance, so by all means, witches, use what's available to you. But there is something special about connecting with what's growing around us right now. I can't help but think, what is Mother Earth sharing with us, and why is she sharing it with us? How can it support us physically, mentally, and magically? Even though there's not as much going on in the garden at the moment compared with summer or harvest season, MBOC always reminds me of humanity's reliance on the earth. Because if you live in an agricultural community like I do, even though people are just getting their land ready for planting or in some cases still thinking about it, It's through this ebb and flow, this push and pull, these ancient time-worn seasonal rituals that we're able to harness life-giving energy from the land and also hopefully offer some back. So while the garden is still getting up and running, there is a lot of stirring in the wild areas, which I would love to talk more about. Some of these plants might be new to you, they may not grow where you live, but I encourage you, weather permitting, to just take a little walk in a park, a local trail, maybe even your backyard if it's kind of wild like mine, just somewhere where you can see what's starting to take root without any help or interference from human hands. sound weird that I want to start with a poisonous plant, but I can't talk about in-bulk plant magic without mentioning snowdrops.
1: We love poisonous plants in this podcast, so please do.
0: Well, in Celtic
1: myth, when
0: Brigid, as the spring maiden, defeats the Cailleach, as the winter witch, the earth thaws beneath Brigid's feet, leaving white, dainty snowdrop flowers in place of snow. Because of this, Bridget is often associated with snowdrops, but also white and yellow flowers in general, including celandine. Celandine is another poisonous flowering plant that emerges in late winter and early spring. Its name comes from an ancient Greek word that I will not attempt to pronounce, but it translates to swallow, as in the bird. The ancients say that celandine blooms when the swallow returns and fades as the swallow flies away. I'm more familiar with greater celandine compared to its cousin, lesser celandine, because that's what grows on my property. But celandine is marked by these cute yellow flowers, but also by the bright yellow-orange latex within the stem. So when you pull up celandine or break the stem, it bleeds yellow. When I first moved here and when give our neighbors a little tour and show them our garden, they would always point out the celandine to let me know it's not a weed, it's a medicinal plant, and that yellow latex is used as a treatment for the common wart. Because of this, you definitely don't want to ingest celandine, but if you use it magically, it's believed to break chains, power through obstacles, and eliminate stagnancy. Mm-hmm. The vibrant yellow flower and latex can be used in color magic to stimulate joy, optimism, that good time feeling. It's also believed that if you're facing judgment of some sort, maybe legal issues, or if you have to stand in front of a judge anytime soon for whatever reason, that working with celandine can sweeten the outlook and maybe even eliminate the issue altogether. Moving on to some edible plants. Coltsfoot, not to be confused with dandelions, are these little yellow flowers that mimic the sun. When I see them, I feel like they are Mother Nature's way of foreshadowing what's to come. Like, hey, yes, it's still cold and dreary, but I promise sunny, warm days are on their way. Love Coltsfoot. Me too. To me, Coltsfoot flowers feel like little pieces of citrine crystal— the flowers were often placed inside sachets and carried on the body to increase wealth or success in financial endeavors. It corresponds to the element of water and is sacred to the goddess Venus. Because of this, maybe consider some sort of ritual that incorporates all these things as we're collectively inching into spring. Maybe make an infusion with Coltsfoot, Camellia, and Basil flowers as an offering for Venus. Leave it on your altar on Friday her sacred day. Ask for more harmony, for joy, or some other Venusian gift. Or if that doesn't feel right, maybe just try meditating with one of these plants, which is one of my favorite rituals, no matter which plant we're talking about. Blackberry is a vine that, once it roots, is nearly impossible to get rid of. And as luck would have it, we have a lot of it here in the Azores. Blackberry vines love climbing all over the rock walls and weaving itself in and out of whatever it can. And while it can be quite painful if you accidentally catch a thorn, I also love living somewhere surrounded by this thorny, magical plant. I won't talk too much about thorns because I know, Kate, you talked thorn magic in episode 40, I believe, from Mm. before winter break. Um, But there is something I love about plants that bite back, so to speak. So here, blackberry flowers turn to fruit in like September. So, you know, I'm not harvesting fresh berries right now, but instead, this is the time to feed them. So I like to check the soil, give them some fresh vermicompost, maybe some compost tea, a trim, and offer a prayer for the new season. And also thanks for keeping me safe while in their protective circle of thorns. Medicinally, blackberry is an incredibly healing plant, not just the flowers and fruit, but also the leaves. It's also sacred to Brigid and the goddess. Some stories say that if you find an arch of blackberry brambles, preferably natural but man-made will do, (laughs) it's considered good luck to walk beneath them, especially if you're seeking a cure for illness, injury, or another malady. And lastly, I have to mention camellias, or Japanese rose, as it's also called— I have two massive camellia trees that are stunning, but also turn my entire yard pink from fallen flowers for the duration of January through March. But I don't mind the mess because the bees love it. There's not much for them to eat right now, but I swear if you walk by the camellias, the trees feel like they're vibrating from so much bee activity. So that in itself makes this tree feel really special, but like many rose varieties, camellias and other pink flowers can be used in our magical workings to generate love, passion, devotion, gratitude, or to forge a deeper connection with what lies in our hearts. Basically, to me, it feels like if rose quartz were a tree, it would be a camellia. That's beautiful. According to some flower lore I dug up, It says, while camellias can be used in any number of rituals or magical workings, it's most commonly used in divinatory practices, specifically tassiography or divining with tea leaves. I won't go into specifics here, but there is an article on Magic and Alchemy, the blog, that explains tassiography in detail. But according to what I found, if you divine with camellias, be on the lookout for a heart-shaped petal. A sure sign that your message was heard, received, and you need not worry about your query. I also found this article that compared camellia trees to a living prayer, since it aligns with the number 11 in numerology. According to numerology, 11 is a master number. It encourages spiritual and artistic growth and opens a line of communication between the physical sense of self, highest self, and the divine. In tarot, the number 11 relates to strength. This is significant to the camellia because it speaks to the spiritual, transformative, life changing qualities available to us, so long as we develop the will to realize our potential.
1: tie-in to the tarot, and thank you so much for that deep dive into the plants of the season, Kristen. Um, I would love to go ahead and share some animal associations with Imbolc as well, because much like the plants, animals have been essential to survival during this time for centuries. In Imbolc, Rituals, Recipes, and Lore for Bridget's Day, there is a passage that says, quote, It is difficult for people who live in modern cities to understand the relationship our agrarian ancestors had with their animals. In agricultural societies, people love their animals as much as we care for our pets, but in a very different way than we would understand it. They care for their animals as if they were members of the family because they are so integral to life. It was very common in agricultural societies in colder climates for families to bring their animals into the home to live until warmer days arrive. The animals contribute to the warmth of the home and having them so close would make feeding and caring for them much easier as well. Of course, I'm a vegetarian and so I won't be creating any kitchen witchery and gratitude to animals related to food during the Sabbath, but I do love to work with animals symbolically. And I love to give Banjo a bone on these sabbats to thank him for his protection and companionship, especially during these darker months. Also, I just love thinking about farm animals as true guides and familiars because while they may seem common to the untrained eye or, you know, to those driving through my hometown in rural southwest Michigan, they are truly magical.
0: I second that sentiment because— so often there's like this disconnect between us and what we consider livestock, mm-hmm. but depending on how they're raised, cows, goats, sheeps, pigs, you know, the standard farm animals can be so loving and playful, just like a dog or a horse or another domestic
1: pet or companion. Yeah, exactly. You know, cows are sacred in many traditions and the cow is a symbol of abundance, comfort, nourishment, love, home, and warmth, and is one of the symbols of the goddess Brigid. There is, of course, you know, the groundhog during this time of year, you know, shout out to Puxitani Phil. <laughs> the groundhog symbolizes community and beginnings, earth energies and rebirth. And of course, you know, we know that if the groundhog sees its shadow on Imbolc, it means that the spring will return late. I love Groundhog's Day only because so many folks don't realize they're participating in something akin to a pagan ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, this specific tradition comes from 18th century German immigrants who um, brought this practice to Pennsylvania. And then the celebration was formalized in Puxitani in 1887. So during the ritual of Groundhog's Day, members of a group called the Inner Circle amazing adorned by top hats also amazing speaking what they call groundhog eaves interpret the ritual so yes please and happy groundhogs day <laughs> birds are also a beautiful sign of an early spring looking for a or listening for a lark singing on imbolc means that spring is almost here and a robin is a wonderful omen of the warmer days to come. There are of course, you know, sheep or ewes that are often symbols of this time, the sheep symbolizing abundance, balance, nurturing, security, and support. Sheep will naturally tend to mate in the autumn as the days grow shorter, and so then they naturally give birth near Imbolc, and as soon as the ewe gives birth, she will begin lactation and therefore provide milk, which would have been the first fresh milk in months, perhaps for our ancestors. Snakes are also sacred to the goddess Brigid, and the snake is tied to rebirth. As the snake sheds its skin, it is reborn. The snake is a symbol of cycles, wisdom, and enchantment, and in some stories, Bridget appears as a snake to communicate with her intended audience. On a more fantastical level, the dragon is a symbol of this time and signifies balance, challenge, courage, creativity, enlightenment, and works as a guardian. The dragon is closely tied to this time of year, as well as to the goddess Brigid. And although I am not studied or practiced in Lunar New Year, I know that the dragon is a symbol of this holiday, which is really beautiful.
0: article that I mentioned earlier, Kate, I really enjoyed the questions you posed for people wanting to connect with the essence of this Sabbath. Thank you. You asked people to notice what's awakening in their life right now. You wrote, what needs to be cleared in my life to make space? How am I transforming? What seeds am I planting? What exists on that horizon? And these questions just feel so relevant, um, at least for me right now, but mm-hmm. also whenever you know we're looking to check in with our intentions and the reality
1: we're creating. Definitely. Um, and so on this in-bulk, uh, it's time to reassess, to take stock and feel the tendrils that are moving just below the surface. Reach out to these plants and animals that we talked about as guides along the way. And if you feel lost, just pause. If you feel called to, write a poem, light a candle in honor of Bridget and her fire, care for yourself and connect with the promise and the hope of warmer days. Even if it feels dark and barren now, we promise that you're not alone and new life is stirring. In bulk blessings, friends. Thank you for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at k8ballou and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at tamedwild, or on the blog, magicandalchemy.com. Tune in to next week's episode where we talk sex magic.
0: Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be or something better. Until next time.